Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast with 2020 hindsight. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. All right. On today's episode, we are going to discuss all the teams who had new head coaches for the 2021 season, and we're going to debate whether we feel better, worse, or about the same with the benefit of one year of hindsight about these coaches. So uh, before we get to that, though, we've got some news to get to. Uh, Last week, the conference commissioners agreed that because of their stalemate in determining a new playoff system, there's going to be no playoff expansion until 2026 at the earliest. What do you guys think about that news? I'm not terribly surprised. There just there wasn't enough pressure to to get a new format and deal done uh, as the current contract goes to 2026. So, I mean, it, it did seem like the best proposal out there was the the 12 team format, and it would be more inclusive for other conferences. But it just wasn't a unanimous decision this this go around. Uh, it sounded like the ACC commissioner wasn't really on board. And it, he says it's not the time for upheaval. Upheaval in, in college football, what, like whatever, man. Like in the eight, <laughs> so in the eight, uh, in the eight years of the playoff, only six schools have reached the title game. So I think it would be more fun to potentially get a few more teams involved. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I guess we've I've come a long way since the wanting the, the to have just keep it the two the two teams. But you know, as soon as it went to four. I just thought that was kind of silly, and of course, so now I'm I'm on the flip side. I want 12, and I guess I'm not surprised that this is this was announced. It, it is a huge change to, to to go all the way to 12. So maybe a, a rapid change like that was is, is a little bit a uh, bit of a too too quick for them. But I wish they did it. Yeah, I I think all three of us are are in favor of of expansion. But honestly, I I wasn't too disappointed by this news. I I don't see a gigantic yeah. rush. I don't think. An extra four years of a fourteen playoff is going to cause irreparable harm or anything. So it would have been nice, but that's fine. I, yeah. I can be patient and look forward to when it does eventually expand. Um, all right, other piece of news: Jaden Daniels of Arizona State entered the transfer portal. Kind of a surprising move, and seemed like some of his teammates weren't too broken up about it. There was a video no. that came out on Twitter of them uh, outside his locker. And I think one of the players said something like he sucks anyway or something like that. So <laughs> yes. Yeah. What uh, what did you guys think there? I am sure there's going to be, you know, you got big teams out there. I'm sure there's, you know, players on every team that aren't going to like at least somebody. So I'm not taking too much mm-hmm. stock into that one. Uh, but just as far as Jaden Daniels, the player moving on, it's, it's a big blow for ASU, man. I mean, they've had obviously some key pieces leave. Um, and then of course they've had some key coaches leave, um, around Herm Edwards who kind of actually just got a vote of confidence from their president saying that he did nothing wrong. So, um, that was kind of interesting to see, but, uh, as far as him though, it seems like Jaden Daniels is kind of leaning from all the stuff you hear read about, at least, I don't know if it's true, but he's thinking about staying out West somewhere, which I don't know, maybe he could find a better situation if you kind of looked outside that, but uh he's okay like he had 10 picks 10 uh, 10 touchdowns last year so it's not like he's some stellar stellar qb that's going to come in and fix things but he's on a solid team that has some talent around him he's pretty good well and that was the story before last year he was ultra efficient and and last year he not so much um i mean he'll he would still be a good get uh for uh 
for someone out there, but I think this is more just a bigger story for ASU. Like Herm continues to just have a mess. Like Michael, you brought up the players ripping him in the video. It was also a dagger to ASU in terms of timing because they potentially could have gotten their hometown boy, Spencer Rattler, but you know, Daniels ended up deciding to wait a little bit longer. So I wonder if that played a role at all with Daniels. Yeah, there definitely puts them in a rough spot because nobody on the roster right now has really any experience at quarterback. So uh, we'll see if they grab someone else from the portal or if just, you know, one of the players on the roster has to yeah. step up. Um, but OK, let's uh, let's get to the coaches. So we're going to go in order of how Athlon ranked these hires last year. Uh, but when answering your question, answering the question of whether you feel better or worse, just base it on your own thoughts last year not necessarily where they show up on this list but uh okay number 17 on athlon's rankings was jed fish at arizona trey feeling better worse what do you think i have to think like this was one of the easier ones uh you have to feel better even after the one and 11 season like i'd imagine a lot of people including arizona fans weren't all that excited about fish as he wasn't bringing much cachet last year but man, his his Wildcats, they fought in a, a few games last year. He landed the number 22 recruiting class and brought in a couple great transfers. Jaden Delora, the quarterback from Washington State. Jacob Cowing, great receiver from UTEP, had a big year. You know, I'm not necessarily saying he's the long-term answer here, but man, do I feel better after one season. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it, it, he was able to pair, you know, good transfers with those high schoolers. That So he's kind of doing both. He's got some immediate plugs that's going to help with good QB to wide receiver combo he brought in and then uh, some good high schoolers to kind of develop. So, I mean, yeah, the one and 11 wasn't good, but we knew they were going to be absolutely terrible on the field this mm-hmm. year, no matter who was coaching them. So you almost didn't even look at that. It's just like, okay, who's he going to bring in? And so everybody's surprised he, he nailed it. It's crazy. They hadn't finished top 50 in recruiting since 2017. So finishing 22nd right. after the couple of horrible years they've had in a row, that was incredible. One of their best recruiting classes ever. So yeah, I'm with you guys. Definitely feeling a lot better. Definitely better. Yeah. All right. Moving on. It was number 16, Maurice Linguist at Buffalo. Uh, yeah. So for, for, for Linguist, I mean, they didn't necessarily have the best year on the field either. Um, they went four and eight, you know, but they did lose some key pieces uh, when Lance Leopold left for Kansas, uh, the previous, you know, he took over for him. So a step back was kind of expected here. Um, and they, you know, I think they were just kind of hoping it wasn't going to be a massive kind of drop off because there were some, some, some talented pieces still there, but, um, so it was a little disappointing, but on the positive side, you know, I think, you know, he brought in the number one Mac rated class, if you include transfers. Um, so it's bringing in a lot of talented players in this group. So it's kind of like Jed fish where I didn't expect him to have a great year. Maybe he was supposed to do, perform a little better on the field, but um, I do feel better about the where he is because I, I think he's setting himself up to to have success down the road. Um, but let's move on to uh, number 15 on the list was Terry Bowden from uh, Louisiana Monroe. Yeah, a lot of people made fun of this hire last year, and you can see where, you know, he ended up very low on this this list, which I didn't totally get um, because he did a great job at Akron uh, just a few years ago. I know he's a little bit older, but it's he's he's not that far removed from success. And um, at ULM, inherited a team that had just gone 0-10, and he brought in a ton of transfers, kind of tried to turn over the roster as much as he could quickly, and they ended up going 4-8. So that was a a great start. Uh, I don't think there's any—I got to feel a little bit better about it, even though I wasn't 
down on the hire to begin with. Were they upset? Was it Liberty? They did beat Liberty, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and he's got a pretty good staff around him. Yeah, Yeah. Rich Rod. Yeah, he lost Rich Rod, but... uh, Oh, that's right. But still, that was a good hire. He had him. He had him, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) All right, moving on to number 14, Shane Beamer at South Carolina. What do you think, Trey? All right, so so I'm feeling better. Um, I will say, I'll admit I wasn't overly high last year, but I am feeling better. Most people are probably going to look at the record and say, oh, you know, seven and six with a bull win. That's outstanding. I, I And I don't want to rain on the parade, but they, they finished 66th in SP+. They got drilled by by the good teams, and their recruiting class finished 11th in the SEC. But I'm not going to be negative here. I, I want to paint a better picture because they did have that on-field success. They overachieved a little bit. Uh, Beamer, he got dumped with Mayo. They brought in one of the top <laughs> transfer classes with Spencer Rattler leading the bunch. Um, I, I just personally think that no matter what the metrics say, I think Beamer helped change the the perception of the Gamecocks. And I could see him building building them up, but I just had to pump the brakes on the notion that they're fully back. Yeah, I mean, I think he maxed out the amount of wins they could have got, which good for him for doing that. Um they, you know, they, they beat Auburn, they beat Florida, North Carolina. So he had some, some, some nice uh, teams that they don't normally beat. But hey, I think the main thing for South Carolina is just like when you kind of watch them, you watch the way he talked about it, the way his interviews were and just the kind of the attitude of the team. Like it just seemed like fun and it seemed like there's a general yeah. culture that he's building there, which, you know, say what you will, but that's an important part of having a good college football team. So um, I I'm definitely feel better about it because I wasn't high on it last year. So you know, he's, he's, I feel better about it than uh, a year ago today. Yep. I echo both of your guys' sentiments. And in, in recruiting, he kind of brought them back to almost the level that Will Muschamp was at, which maybe sounds like an insult. But again, after a kind of a rough go the past, past few years at South Carolina, that's pretty good uh, where yeah. he got. And to me, the one big thing that um, gives me hope for the future is the fact that he landed Spencer Rattler, just because their quarterback play was so bad last year that hey, now all of a sudden you've got a real quarterback. Things could really take a, a big step forward this year, even if not in terms of wins, because like we said, they kind of maybe overachieved in terms of wins. They, they're you know SP plus and kind of FPI ratings. They really weren't that good. Um, but uh, but I think I think they will. I think their underlying metrics will improve a lot this year. And, and who knows? Maybe they'll have yeah. more wins, but we'll see. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on. At number 13 was Charles Huff of Marshall. Yeah, um, you know, coming in, uh, had a good, solid first year. I wouldn't say it was amazing. Seven and six. Um, but their their first four losses that they had on the year were all by a single score. Um, so they were they, they were having a pretty, they very close to having a pretty darn good year. Just kind of got unlucky in some games. And uh, he did bring in the, the best recruiting class they've had since 2016, which is kind of what they were hoping when they were hiring uh, Charles Huff here. Um, so it's actually going to be the best class in the conference USA or <laughs> Sunbelt, depending on, <laughs> depending on where they're going to be this year, but future Sunbelt, it's still the best class in either. So, I mean, he's setting himself up for success, had a solid year on the field. Um, I feel, I guess I'll probably say better cause I didn't anticipate to have maybe this good, of, good of success on the recruiting front. So I'd say slightly better than last year. And they'd be entering the, uh, Sunbelt, I think kind of at a good time with Coastal yes. and uh, App State and Louisiana all kind of losing a, a good amount Reloading. of production. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Let's move on to uh, number twelve. We had Kane Womack from uh, South Alabama. 
Yeah, he was Indiana's defensive coordinator before he took this job, and South Alabama was favored to go under four and a half wins before the season. They ended up starting five and three. So at that point, you were feeling way better about Kane Womack, but Jake Bentley got hurt, their quarterback, schedule got tougher, and they lost their last four games straight to go to five and seven. So didn't quite make a bowl game, but you weren't really expecting them to make a bowl game at all. So the fact that they got that close and three of their seven losses were by one score, including or for sorry, four of their seven losses, including two overtime games. So they were really Ooh. that close. Um, and he's bringing in a solid class, uh, both of, of high school players and uh, he's bringing in eight power five transfers. So, yeah, on the field in recruiting, I'm feeling better. But uh, moving on to number 11 on Athlon's list, it was Butch Jones at Arkansas State. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm about the same. On, really? on the field, it, I am. I Well, just because on the field, it seemed kind of like a, a disaster. I mean, they he inherited Lane Hatcher, brought in James Blackman from Florida State at quarterback. So the quarterback room was was pretty good, but the team just couldn't do a whole lot. They were 2-10 overall, 1-7 in the Sun Belt, finished 119th in SP+. But I will say, to their credit, they were 1-5 in, in one possession game, so the the – the narrative could have been flipped a little bit had some of those games gone their way. But I will say the reason for optimism is they just signed their best class in 10 years, and it was the best Sunbelt class this year, which is saying something because that's ahead of the likes of Coastal and App State, and they brought in some Power 5 transfers. So on that front, g- good for him. Um, if he can coach them up, I think he should be able to turn the the record around by winning some of those one-possession games. All right. Not I didn't realize. class of Marshall gets in. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize their recruiting class was that good. So that that changes things. I just thought yeah. I just looked at the record last year. I was like, oh my God, that's yeah, a disaster. Pretty rough on the field. Good to know. Yep. All right. At number 10, Josh Heupel. Yep, yep. From Tennessee. Um, I think you have to feel better about Heupel here. They went seven and six on the field. So a solid job considering they had a ton of transfers leave the program before he took over. Um, but then th- the main thing was just the excitement that Hendon Hooker was able to provide just from the QB position. And of course, Heupel's a good, uh, good offensive coach. Um, seems like a good match there. And, you know, they didn't hit, really hit the transfer market really all that hard this, uh, this off season, but they did bring in the 17th rated class for high schoolers. And, you know, that sounds great, but it's eighth in the SEC. Yeah. So it's nothing unheard of for Tennessee. So I would say it's solid for them. Maybe not amazing, but just the uh, the fact that his offense works so well and they finished the year kind of strong and you do have Hen and Hooker coming back. Um, I think you would have to feel, I, I feel probably a little bit better because um, I wasn't high on this hire. I thought it was, uh, I wasn't excited about Hypo there, but yeah. I think he's done better than I anticipated. Most people so weren't excited. I feel like even Tennessee right. fans, it was kind of just like, they had to settle for, yeah. you know, yeah. for him. But uh, but yeah, I, I feel way better, way better just about the Tennessee program in general because this time last year, we kind of thought they were headed for kind of a dark age of like two or three years where they it, it, people were saying, oh, they just hired Heupel and he'll kind of, may, at least he'll be exciting on offense. They might stink for a couple of years, but then you'll be able to bring in the next coach, the real coach who's going to uh, be their guy moving forward. But quickly, it's like, no, they were good this year and should be mm-hmm. even better next year uh yeah like you said they got a maybe a top 10 quarterback in hendon hooker See, things seem to have been stabilized now the reason we were all worried was because we thought sanctions would be coming and maybe they still are but sanctions never seem to happen in college football like except for usc, for USC. yeah except, yeah. except for usc it just <laughs> never happened so maybe we shouldn't have been worried although 
I don't know, maybe something's coming. But uh, outside of that, yep. things are looking a lot better in uh, in Knoxville. Yeah, I I'm I'm maybe not as high. I am feeling better, no doubt about it. And especially since they kind of do seem poised to to p- potentially be the the second best team in the East. But I'm, I'm still being just a little cautious. They haven't had expectations in a while, so it's semi new territory. And Ryan, you kind of touch on the recruiting, like eighth in the SEC. It, I mean, it's good, but it's not like elite, elite to maybe get you know to be competing in the in the East. But but I do think they they got a good chance next year to to get a breakthrough win as they they play Bama, Georgia, Florida, and LSU. So well, I guess that's also the downside. But they you know getting to play those guys, they might be able to to break through and and you know make a statement. Yeah, and you just kind of got to worry because even the guy remember like Jeremy Pruitt. After his like what was his first year, he ended up on like a nice win streak, and he got a kind of a solid season. Yeah. And then, like during that off season, there was there was like some massive recruiting uh, kind of momentum, but then it just fell apart. That's true. So, but I'm, true. I'm I would be excited as a Vol fan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, number nine. We had uh, Blake Anderson uh, from Utah State. Yeah, it was a, a solid hire to begin with because he'd had a, a good solid run of success at, at Arkansas State, but. I'm I'm feeling even better than I felt last year. He did arguably the best coaching job of anybody in the country. He took over a team that was one and five in 2020. They went 11 and three this past year. They won the Mountain West, and on top of that, he's brought in a very good recruiting class, good crop of transfers. He brought in uh, Levi Williams, quarterback from Wyoming, who could be uh, just slot in as his next guy to take over for Logan Bonner. So, yeah, all things are good. Very Absolutely. good job. Good. All right, next, number eight, sticking in the Mountain West, Andy Avalos at Boise State. I'll be interested to hear what, what you guys think, but I, I'm kind of in the boat of about the same. Uh, he was a bit of a wild card last year, being a first-year head coach. I think some people would say they maybe feel worse since Boise went 7-5 and five and finished middle of the pack of the Mountain West, but, but they were better than their record. They had heartbreaking losses at UCF and to near Big 12 champ Oklahoma State. So I think that kind of changed the way we thought about them. But Avalos brought in the top Mountain West recruiting class. Their defense was the strength last year. It's gonna it should be even better this year. Um, they're gonna be the divi- the division favorites. And with Bachmeyer and Halani back on offense, I think we'll learn a lot about him if if he's the answer there this season. Yeah, I completely agree with you here. Not a, not not gonna disagree. It's just the same about. I mean, I knew he'd come in and probably do. Pretty solid. Um, seven to five, I think, was like the floor they could have done. I think they were, like you kind of mentioned, Trey, they probably should have finished better than that, but you know, which isn't a good look. But hey, good recruiting. It seems like Boise's kind of the, the Wisconsin of the the Mountain West. It's just like kind of runs itself at this point. So as long as you don't come and screw it up, you'll be just fine. <laughs> Avalos, Avalos knows Boise, and he wasn't going to rock the boat. So I'm feeling the same. Agreed. All right. Yeah. Very good. All right. Number seven is Will Hall of Southern Miss. Yeah, I was not high uh, on this one uh, when he when he was when it was first announced. But so you know, I actually do feel a little bit better this year. Um, he he did go three and nine, but they had only won three games the previous year, so it wasn't like a, a drop in production or anything like that. Um, but he did bring in some talent this offseason. Fourth ranked class uh, in the conference USA. Well, I guess fourth in the new look Sun Belt is what I should say, um, <laughs> and an even even better transfer class that he, he's bringing in so i don't i mean I, the field on the field production yeah that's all right but i didn't expect to be much there so he's bringing in his guys solid group i would expect southern miss to be more competitive with some some better uh, players in there and he was uh he was the tulane offensive coordinator before he went there is that right yeah i think so yeah, yeah. 
Um, okay, let's move on to number six. We have uh, Brett Bielema uh, at Illinois. Yeah, this is a tough one. It was. Uh, I thought it was an okay hire at the time. I would have preferred uh, a young up-and-comer like a Sean Lewis from Kent State, something like that. But I understood why they went with Bielema. Um, and you know, on the field, they ended up being a little bit better than expected. They went five and seven. They, of course, had that very beautiful win over Penn State um, <laughs> and Nebraska in the opener, which don't remember you know, that one. You don't remember? Okay, blocked it out. No. Um, and then the recruiting class, probably around what I would have expected. They ranked 46. So I think overall, I feel roughly the same, maybe a little better if I had to lean one way, but yeah. I'm feeling like marginally better. Um, just mainly because I wasn't all that high last year. Uh, but like, if you look at SP+, Plus, he improved them from 89th to 64th. They were competitive. You touched on how they won some 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 of those games. Um, they lost four one-score games, too. So like they could have either easily been a, a bowl team. Uh, but yeah, the recruiting class, it's not going to push them up into the upper half of the Big Ten, but it was one of their better classes in recent years. And the challenge for them next year, though, is they're... 122nd in returning production. So I'm not all ex- expecting a whole lot uh, next year, but your your one wasn't all that bad for the Illini. Yeah, I feel the same. Um, I, I kind of, I, I, I thought he would come in and make them a more competitive on the field right away. They did have, like Trace mentioned, they did have an experienced group, especially up front. And so I thought, you know, he'd shorten the game, run the ball. Okay, I thought he'd make them more competitive and experienced QB. But, you know, it's just, now it's probably going to be similar stuff. He's just going to struggle to keep it going, and I don't know if he can elevate them to much better than this. Okay, number five on the list is Gus Malzahn at UCF. What do you think, Trey? All right, I'm I'm the same right now, and that's mainly because I, I liked the hire last year. Uh, on the field, they regressed a little bit from the year before with, with Heupel, but you need to keep in mind they lost Dylan Gabriel yeah. early in the season. So considering that they played the freshman Keen. They went nine and four with a bull win against the Gators. They had to win kind of ugly uh, with Keen, but I think Malzahn he he got the most out of them as as he could this year. So I think next year, if the quarterback play can improve a little bit, they'll be in contention in the AAC. They return a lot of production. Uh, he brought in one of the UCF's best recruiting classes, as well as a nice transfer class, which included a lot of Power Five players. So there's reason for optimism. About the same for me, Gus Malzahn here. I, I, you thought it was a good, good solid hire. He went nine and four with some some talented kids, but I think the um, the main thing is just what can he do from here? Like UCF, they're going to join obviously the new conference relatively shortly. How can he get, can he get them on par with some of the upper echelon Big Twelve teams? Can he recruit with them? Can he get to a level where hey, UCF is on par with you know? I mean, I know they're losing the OU and Texas will be gone, but the Baylors and the Oklahoma States, all teams like that. But um, if you're UCF, I think you're looking looking at it from a positive. But to me, I was thought it was a solid hire, so I'm going to say about the same. Yes, yeah, so both you guys thinking about the same. I'm I'm going to agree because yeah, I was fairly high on this hire last year. The so there's things I like and don't like about what happened this year. Um, I like that the talent acquisition that he's been doing, both with his you know kind of closing out the initial class bringing in some some really good transfers so he's upgrading the talent there they had i think their highest average player rating in their recruiting class the highest ever so that was very good but i don't like that it seems like the gus offense the late gus offense uh, at auburn is 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 going to be their offense i was kind of hoping maybe he'd kind of adjust and keep a little bit of what they had been doing with the the fun style of 
Josh Heupel, but he's lost to Dylan Gabriel now. That's that is unfortunate. So now his QBs, just kind of like at the end at Auburn, are all guys who are questionable throwers. And uh, you know, he's got John Rice Plumley he brought in. He's got Joey Gatewood. Just no one at quarterback that really excites you. But uh, but that negative is kind of um, you know I guess outweighed by the fact that he's bringing in a lot of good talent. All right, here's here's one that uh, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Number <laughs> yeah. four, B- Brian Harson of Auburn. Brian, lead us off. Oh boy, yeah, Brian. Brian Harson is. Uh, yeah, it's, you feel you feel worse about him. Um, they went six and seven, of course, on the field, lost their last five games, um, and that's just bad enough, especially when considering they did have some some good solid talent coming into this year. Um, but there's just the major off-season drama here that's really hurting Harson. Some of it's not his fault. Probably seems like a lot of it's not his yeah. fault. Um, really nothing to do with it. But I'm sure his on-field performance didn't help. Um, but it, boosters don't really like him. Seems like the fans are already, most of the fans are already against him. Uh, recruiting has dropped off a little bit from Gus Malzahn, even though it wasn't terrible. Um, you know, I don't think any of us are really high on this hire. So, but for me, so for me to say, like, I actually feel worse is kind of indicative of like how bad it really is feeling right now so definitely a worse feeling yeah the boosters and this whole campaign to try and get him fired uh being unsuccessful is now just really kneecapped him it's it's going to make things it was already difficult it was already going to be very difficult with all the coaches that are in the sec west and the fact that you know they they closed the season very poorly and so the roster is not necessarily great right now and they don't have a surefire quarterback but uh but now it's just gonna be hard to recruit going forward so i definitely feeling way worse even though like you ryan i wasn't super enthused i thought it was a fine hire but yeah 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 i was i was curious to see how it would work out i wasn't totally anti it but yeah i mean it wasn't a home run but uh, so i feel worse as well but it's weird because they were sitting at six and two their only losses were to at penn state and to georgia they did have a miracle to to beat Georgia State in there, but but not awful. Knicks was playing better. They had some good wins against ranked Arkansas and Ole Miss, but then losing those five straight that Ryan mentioned, and then the 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 icing was the the heartbreaking squandering of the lead to to Alabama and the Iron Bowl. Like there would still probably yeah. be some turmoil this offseason, but I'm so I would I'm so curious to know if they would have hung on and won that game. Yeah, what you know, yeah. this offseason wouldn't look like it is right now. I, I'd imagine. It's true. I agree. Yep. Yeah, it is crazy the little things that can impact the trajectory of a program or a coach. But yeah, we didn't even bring up the staff turnover, I don't think, um, and lots of transfers. So not good. Yeah. No. Uh, all right, let's move on to number three. We had Lance Leopold. Uh, went from Buffalo to Kansas. Yeah, he was uh, a late hire in, in the cycle. So you really did not expect much from kansas this year and they didn't do much they went two and ten they did beat texas so that was pretty cool but uh, that was at least one positive even one positive was all you really needed from this season from him because like i said it was he took over so late the roster is in such terrible shape that you weren't expecting much so um i think kind of whatever you thought of the hire at the time you probably haven't changed and for me that's i thought it was a good hire he's he's a good coach he's gonna slowly i think turn them around and and i would i don't know if i would i would bet that eventually he'll get them to a bowl game whoa okay yeah maybe it'll take a few years but i i think if you're if you're giving me even money and i had to bet i think i'd say yes they'll find a way to get six and six at some point i mean he's a he's a proven good coach um but 
to me, it's just right now, Kansas seems like a, a dead end job. I know I'm being a little short sighted because they, it's not like it's always going to be like this, but I just, they have the worst ranked Big 12 recruiting class. It was 123rd overall. Most power and efficiency ratings had them near the bottom of the country, similar to the year before. I'm not like w- feeling a lot worse than, than I was just because it's such a tough job. But I will say the silver lining though is they, they return a lot of production. So I think he was trying to do that so that he could build for next year. So hopefully some of that production that comes back can give them a slight boost. So I just I'm a buy I'm a believer in 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 him as a coach, but I'm not saying he's like the savior. I actually probably feel a little worse. Really? Um because I, I thought he would do a little bit better. Um I mean they were pretty bad at times this year on the field. I mean I know they beat Texas, but they were pretty horrible i thought that he would at least kind of give him a little bit of more of a spark um and then just what he's bringing in like seven high school recruits that's all you can get i mean that's not building for the future in my eyes so uh, maybe he can put together a year or two here where it's somewhat decent because he does have some returning production but i'll take that bet against you mike and uh yeah, I, I, money down. I don't have a lot of confidence in it. I wouldn't actually put real money, but if I had to, that's where I would lean. I don't know. I'd have to think. But after that, that Texas game, after the Texas game, they had two really close losses to West Virginia and TCU. TCU, I, think? I want to say. Yeah. So they were more competitive. Yeah, I don't know. I thought you guys were harsh, or Ryan, you were harsh on on what he did this year. It's like, what did you expect? I don't know. But fair. I mean, I'm, maybe I was a little too rosy. They're tough to grade. Uh, getting to number two on Athlon's list, they were very high on yeah, Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. One. Yeah, I mean, I thought, again, that this was a fine hire, but I certainly would not have had it as the second best hire of the offseason. But Vandy people there? Trey, what uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to say I'm about the same, but that's just because I didn't have any expectations. Uh they're they're kind of similar to Kansas in that they didn't have they didn't really improve much by the metrics uh, from the year before. They won two games. <laughs> one was a, a thriller against one of the worst teams out there, UConn. Uh, and the, I will say the recruiting took a bit of a jump as they were thirty second, but it might be a tad misleading just because well, one they're still last in the SEC, but they also took twenty eight commits. Um, I like Lee's approach though to filling out his staff, but just don't know if it'll end up paying dividends. Yeah, I was pretty low on this one uh, to begin with. So I'm actually going to say I feel slightly better. Um, I know the on-field production was, honestly, it was probably about what I expected. Just going 2-10, and 10, beating Colorado State and UConn, is, I wouldn't have expected them to beat anybody more than that. Um, yes, it was the worst class in the SEC trade, but it was, like you said, it was 32nd overall. And it was the best one they had in almost 10 years, um, going back to the Franklin era. Yeah, it's their highest average um, player so, rating ever. Right. So I, I feel a little bit better knowing like, hey, okay, at least he's bringing in like dropping if you get 28 anchor. guys. You get 28 guys. Like, hey, you still have to, you know, attract 28 guys to come play for you that are, and they're all pretty solid kids. So uh, I'm, I actually probably feel a little, little bit better. Maybe you can make them competitive with some of this talent. Yeah. I, I feel quite a bit better because of that recruiting class. Um, yeah. On the field was, you know, about as bad as you'd expect. But I think with that recruiting class, I think. Being their, like I said, their highest average player rating since in the recruiting rankings era, I feel better. All right. And by the way, Clark Lee was Notre Dame's defensive coordinator before getting hired at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Hopefully, we've been clear about where these guys came from. Maybe we haven't. Andy Avalos. Maybe so. Went from Oregon defensive coordinator to Boise. But probably most of the listeners know. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number one made sense totally last year. Steve Sarkeesian. 
Texas. Coming in, of course, from he was the Alabama offensive coordinator. Prior to that. <laughs> like we get we get to the like the most famous one, <laughs> and that's when we start explaining. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, this one's kind of r- hard to judge just because of the tale of two things that are so important in college football. But obviously, on field success is I've the most. But when it's your first year, you can always kind of forgive. Uh, it wasn't good though. Five and seven. Um, they started off pretty well. And then Casey Thompson kind of got hurt, which definitely hurt some of the momentum. Then they had that really close loss to Oklahoma, which just seemed to kind of set him in a tailspin uh, for the rest of the year. But I'm I can kind of look past that a little bit just because of how incredible his recruiting class was, top five in the country. So, and he of course brings in uh, a remarkably good uh, QB transfer, Quinn Ewers from Ohio State, who was the number one recruit a couple years back. So there's a lot of positive things to look at and. You know, he's definitely have some returning production and just some excitement around there. So if he can get that defense to get better, because I think he'll get the offense good with viewers. But yeah, so I'll probably say uh, I'm going to say even though I'm going to say I feel about the same, even though they went five and seven, which is hard to believe. But I'm going to say I feel about the same. Yeah, this one this one is tough because I do like you, Ryan. I, I still kind of feel somewhat optimistic moving forward because of Quinn Ewers, the highest ranked quarterback recruit, you know, of all time or like tied with uh vince young so that is encouraging uh but on the field it was a disappointment so i just feel like it does set up a little bit of pressure potentially right like if things don't go quite as well as you would hope this year then suddenly there's mounting pressure so for that reason i'll say uh i feel a bit worse even though part of me wants to just kind of ride the optimism of of the new players I think I he kind of got rid of a zero zero. I I totally agree there, but I am feeling a little bit worse because now I'm starting to get nervous. I'm like, well, wait a second. I might be it might just be like Tom Herman, but maybe worse on the field because Herman was recruiting well. And but and, you know, he wasn't horrendous on the field, but he wasn't, you know, really, really good. And and then they went five and seven and lost to Kansas. And you're like, okay, I'm a little nervous. But uh, but I mean, looking back, I think I would still hire him. And I, I'm not writing him off. I think he, he can still have success. And like you guys, I would probably still still bet on it. But uh, this is a big, big year. It is. All right. There you have it. Those are all of the 17 hires. By the way, this episode next year, I think, will be a lot more interesting because this crop of coaches was not exactly star-studded uh, as no. you know. this 22 crop is about, 2022 crop is about to be. So... Um, anyway, that'll do it for for this week's episode of the College Football Bros. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well because we are going to be uh, re-ranking these hires. We're going to do the top eight hires uh, with the benefit of, of a year now. So check that out and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. Keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.